Welcome in, everybody, to the Flagship Podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns 24-7. Joined, as always, by our fearless leader, the managing editor of Horns 24-7, Taylor Estes. Taylor, how's it going? Chip, it's uh, going well. We're recording on Tuesday, and it feels like it's uh, already Saturday because this week's been a little wild uh, around these parts. How are you doing? Yeah, I mean, wild. Like, it was a wild weekend of stuff uh and it's just like continued obviously with a ton of emphasis on the quinn ewers recruitment the former texas commit who declassified from the class of 2022 to the class of 21 so he could start getting nil money at ohio state which he did uh, but he only played two snaps there, both handoffs. And um, now he's in the portal, and I'm not breaking any news there. Uh, but it's like Texas fans have lost their minds over Quinn Ewers. And I'm like, what about Arch Manning? But we'll uh, we'll get back to that, Taylor. And make sure you're listening to our uh, other podcasts here on the Horns 24-7 podcast network and on the Horns 24-7 YouTube channel because Mike Roach, Nick Harris, uh, all of us are, you know, <laughs> to a degree covering the Quinn Ewers recruitment. And it's it's bonkers because Texas Tech is in the mix, TCU's in the mix, NIL money's in the mix. And Taylor, this is the part of the new age recruiting because in the past week, Texas alumni have put together two different NIL initiatives, the Clark Field Collective and then the, the, the you know, heart, horns with a heart, horns with heart, uh, pancake. Um, factory or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> in, you know, promising $50,000 to every scholarship offensive lineman annually. Uh, a total of like $800,000 annually that will be going to scholarship offensive linemen. And look, I've said this on this podcast, it's uncharted territory. Go for it until right. someone tells you stop because nothing's going to be reined in by the NCAA. They don't want to get sued for antitrust. So they're not going to say uh, you can and can't do that. The only thing they're going to say is schools cannot be directly involved right. in, in lining up money for kids. So it's, it's crazy. It is. It is. It's the wild, wild west for sure. And Texas is, you know, taking advantage of the NCAA basically having a hands off approach with the name image likeness earning power that uh, student athletes are able to get. I mean, this is genius, though. The the um, horns or heart with horns or horns with heart um, organization, you know, it's paying them $50,000 for these student athletes, the offensive linemen, excuse me, to be involved in various charitable aspects. So it's actually a 501c3 uh, nonprofit organization. Um, and if that's the case, the donors that are putting money into this, it's a tax write-off for them. And so this is essentially what you're seeing right now with the name image likeness that Texas is kind of, uh, or Texas alum and donors are kind of putting together is the today's version of essentially paying for recruits. And, uh, you know, you can go to offensive linemen and say, hey, look, every single scholarship offensive lineman on, uh, that come to Texas automatically get $50,000 so long as you're eligible to play. And that's, that's a game changer because, I mean, there's been no, no uh, question, you know, about the fact that there's a lot of schools that have come into the state of Texas, especially, and poached a lot of the top offensive linemen. And there's a lot of, you know, SEC schools that have and you know, the the um, the whole kind of joke behind the scenes thing always with SEC schools is how much are they paying them to get them to go to their school, you know, and that's that's something now, you know, Texas legally without violating any NCAA uh, policy right now has the opportunity to really use this in their advantage, um, especially at the offensive line, which is clearly a position that has been less than standard for Texas for over a decade now, Chip. And um, I think that this is a way that some of the donors that are involved with this, 
You know, I mean, how many times has Steve Sarkeesian talked about the need for more offensive linemen, the need for elite offensive linemen? Now, all of a sudden, this uh, this $50,000 per scholarship offensive lineman NIL deal goes down as early signing period is coming up, as National Signing Day in February is uh, still on the horizon. I mean, it's it seems like things are dominoes are kind of falling into place um, at an ideal timing. And maybe that was planned. Maybe I don't know. But um, no doubt about it, Texas is taking advantage of the NCAA not regulating this as they should. I mean, when you have a when you have a donor base um, with the money that Texas has, you know, the the long running thing, the national you know, headlines around Texas is donors are too involved in the football program. Okay, you know, instead of writing a check to buy out coach contracts, write a check and bring recruits into the University of Texas and do so without, you know, having any NCAA violations. It's it's a smart move. And um, I, I would imagine this is only the beginning of it, Chip. Yeah. Yeah. And the timing, as you mentioned, uh, is is like amazing <laughs> because Mario Cristobal is leaving Oregon um, to go to Miami. And there are two Texas offensive tackles uh, who were committed to Oregon, who Texas is very, very interested in. Kelvin Banks, the five star, obviously is one of them. And Cam Williams from Duncanville is another one. Uh, not to mention, you know, Ernest Green and the other offensive line targets. But yeah, good timing by Horns with Heart uh, to announce their 501c3 initiative, as you mentioned. That's not an easy distinction to get, by the way. And you have to really lay it out there um, to be able to, to get that distinction. And um, because obviously, as you said, it's, it'll, it creates um, gifts, opportunity, gift opportunities, charitable contributions that are tax write-offs. So it, they don't just hand those out uh, to anybody, but obviously uh, six influential, uh, well-heeled uh, Texas boosters, successful in, in business, have gotten this venture going and up and running just in time for the <laughs> 2022 uh, December 15th signing period. So we will certainly keep you posted on that. Um, and then, you know, obviously there, there was news over the weekend from, you know, DeMarvin Overshawn and Deshaun Jameson announcing their return. And then on Monday, Keandre Coburn, which I, I thought we all assumed he was coming back, but <laughs> uh, he announced he was coming back. Um, I would say to Keandre, hey, snacks, we gotta we gotta get those numbers up, you know, because yes. if you look at his production, his production's actually gone down each year that he's right. been at Texas. And, you know, he's a he was part of that Ballyhoo 2018 class. Anyway, I'm not trying to pick on snacks, but no, um, no, he's a good, I mean, little nugget here. Chip and I were talking about this after he announced it on Monday, I think it was, and I sent Chip a text separately. I was like, not trying to be mean or anything, but where would he be going? <laughs> like, you know, just because, I mean, it's a smart move for him to come back. It's not, you know, a knock on, uh, I'm not trying to, you know, make fun of him or anything, but that was a legitimate question. I was kind of like, oh, this needs an announcement. I thought this was just, you know, something that we all assumed, but yeah, you're right. I mean, he definitely needs to come back a little bit. Well, in the, the guy who it's interesting, the guy who I'm waiting to hear definitively that he's not coming back is Cameron Dicker because Dicker has sort of indicated to some people close to him that he's thinking about coming back. Well, he walked on senior day. Mm -hmm. He was also at the senior banquet over the weekend, indicating he's moving on. And yet he's within striking distance of Texas's all-time scoring record, which is held by Ricky Williams. And there's, you know, there's been like I still talk to people close to the Dicker family who feel like, oh, he's he's still thinking about coming back. But his actions are telling us he's not coming back. So I need to reach out to my man, you know, Cameron Dicker and see what's uh, what's going on there. But yeah, um, well, in one thing, the chip um, just sorry to cut you off there, but Steve Sarkeesian did say um, after the final regular season game that he did encourage uh, some of the players that were on the fence to, per, you know, to partake in senior day um, festivities just to, to be safe. Like DeMarvin Overshawn, he did. Deshaun Jamison, they both did, even though they're coming back. So um, 
But, you know, they've already announced their return. Cameron Dicker has not. So that's still kind of TBD. Yeah. And Anthony Cook also, um, I, it looks like he's going to return. Everything we've heard is he's going to return. Uh, the, um, the nickel star starter for the Longhorns played well this season. Really a good story after, you know, starting off as a cornerback, getting moved to nickel, getting in the transfer portal, getting out of the transfer portal, and then excelling at that nickel position and, and might be a guy who actually could play himself into um, a professional career with a good season next year. So uh, Anthony Cook, another guy we're hearing uh, should be back. So, uh, and a lot of guys going into the portal, Taylor, um, mm -hmm. from, you know, uh, Delia Dayaway and Marcus Tillman to Alvanti Woodard uh, to Marcus Caldwell, this the safety and Rafidi Germay, uh, the the fourth year uh, offensive lineman, uh, all into the portal, and I don't think that's the end of it either for Texas. Remember, Steve Sarkeesian was doing one on one player evaluations last week and giving players an honest assessment of whether you know what he sees for their future at Texas and. And some players obviously uh, taking that information and and heading to the transfer portal. So we know if Steve Sarkeesian wants to bring in 33, up to 33 new players in the 2022 um, signing class or before next season, let's just put it that way, uh, they are going to have to clear some some scholarships. So there you have it. It's It was a crazy weekend. And Texas picked up a commitment from Kobe McKenzie the the former OU commitment at linebacker 62245 really solid middle linebacker type uh, who I'm told that UT coaches just love his football IQ outstanding leader type uh, who Texas desperately needs at every position and and so even though he's a bigger guy more of a SEC type linebacker uh, maybe not quite the sideline to sideline. The guy is a guy who can get off blocks, make tackles, and and could be an impact guy uh, in his first year. So big commitment pickup as part of this coaching carousel um, this offseason. Yeah, and it's always it's never a bad thing for you know you to be able to uh, pick some guys from your biggest rival, especially in conference rival, uh, and take advantage of Oklahoma's, you know, kind of fluctuating situation. Obviously, um, you know, they have since hired uh, Brent Venable, Venables as the head coach, but still, you know, Venables has a, an uphill battle there um, to kind of make sure to secure a lot of the, I think, the class that Oklahoma had already put together. And it's uh, not going to be an easy one, but this is a huge one for Texas, Chip. I mean, he's the, according to 24-7 Sports Composite, he's the number 21 overall player in the state of Texas, number 13th ranked uh, linebacker in the 2022 class and is nationally ranked 131 um, in the country in the 2022 class. So this is a this is a big get at a, you know, definitely a position of need, especially of need of depth for Texas at linebacker. Yeah, and he's a Lubbock kid. Um, a Texas kid, just like those two Oregon uh, offensive line commits, Calvin Banks, um, you know, Cam Williams, Texas has got to do a better job of keeping those studs in state. We'll, we'll see how this class ends up. It's exciting. It's wild. It's crazy. It's no better time to be at horns 24 seven. That's for sure. And right. we got a special going on, Taylor. We do. We have a currently we have a 50% off annual membership special. This is actually valid for new members and current monthly members who upgrade to annual. Um, if you are a monthly member, when you upgrade to annual, you are able to read um, all message boards, everything across the 24 seven sports uh, network, plus the VIP content as well. It's definitely worth the upgrade, especially when you get it 50% off the price. It ends up only being $448 per month as opposed to $995 per month. Um, so you want to get on board because even chip the other thing too even with you know obviously early signing period is we're recording on tuesday by the time that we drop this it'll be one week from the time that we drop this uh, on wednesday of next week so um there's a lot of stuff going on there but it's not going to end there 
either for Texas. Um, you know, I think that there's still going to be some, I think the Longhorns will probably, you know, go look more at the transfer portal after the early signing period and after the bowl season as well, because I would imagine that some more players, you know, could, that could be options for Texas will enter the transfer portal leading up to there. So even if, you know, whatever Texas does early signing day, doesn't mean it's over. They still have until uh, the first Wednesday of February to really secure this class. So you definitely want to make sure that you're tuning into Horns 24-7 right now. That's right. Gets where insiders go to eat Horns 24-7. And, um, and we should mention that, I mean, you've got two nationally ranked basketball teams and the number two volleyball team all uh, that were in action over the weekend. Volleyball moved on to the round of 16. They will take on um, Washington, number 15, Washington on Thursday, Gregory Jim. Uh, they're trying to get back to the national championship game where they lost last year to Kentucky. And the only team ahead of them is undefeated Louisville. And uh, I would love to see that matchup in the, in the championship. But then you had uh, the Texas women's basketball team going to A&M and just, just, taking care of business 76 to 60 they turned over AM 22 times turned that into 37 points and this was Vic Schaefer going back to his alma mater and and giving it to his old boss Gary Blair in a great win um after you know Vic Schaefer basically challenged them and said are we that monster that went to Stanford and won uh, he said I I think we are and they they proved to be in College Station against the Aggies. Great win for Vic Schaefer's program. They're going to play one in six uh, Idaho this weekend. That should be uh, no problem. But Chris Beard's team, who destroyed uh, UT Rio Grande Valley uh, this this week, this weekend will take on or no Thursday Thursday for crying out loud. Can't uh, can't get that wrong. They're going to <laughs> Seton Hall number 23 Seton Hall who went to number four Michigan and won and have one of the biggest teams in the country two six foot ten players and a seven foot two center uh this will be a really good challenge for Chris Beard's team on Thursday and that is going on right well what see the Texas Seton Hall basketball games at 5 30 the women's volleyball games at 6 30 Thursday make uh make your appointment to uh to listen in and, um, and so Taylor, you know, obviously all the, the talk about recruiting right now, football recruiting is, is King, queen, prince, princess, it's the whole deal. And, and Quinn Ewers, I mean, we, we talked about it. Um, he's, you know, he's being courted by Texas tech. Uh, they have boosters too, who are <laughs> interested in putting together an NIL package for Quinn Ewers. And that's the thing that is a little probably disconcerting is that we've heard more about Quinn Ewers and NIL money than we have about Quinn Ewers on a football field. I mean, right. the last time we saw Quinn Ewers playing football was for South Lake Carroll and he was getting outplayed by, by Cade Klubnick of Westlake as Westlake beat South Lake Carroll for the state championship last year. So it's, you know, look, Quinn Ewers, you're not the number one quarterback in the country in, in a recruiting class unless you've got the goods. And he's got great arm talent. You know, Steve Sarkeesian, this is why he gets paid the big bucks. He's He's got to decide, is going all in on Quinn Ewers worth maybe losing Arch Manning in the 2023 class? You know, there are other portal quarterbacks that uh, Steve Sarkeesian uh, can – can recruit too as well. Yeah. And if you go back and listen to our, um, our interview episode of the flagship podcast with Mike Roach on Monday, he kind of talked a little bit about um, how Steve Sarkeesian and the staff kind of approaches these recruitments. Obviously it sounds from everything that, that Mike and Nick are hearing what we're hearing too, that, you know, no, without a doubt, Texas wants to get Quinn Ewers if they're, you know, if they can. But um, the one thing that Mike mentioned, I thought this was interesting, Chip, was Steve Sarkeesian's kind of like, you know, if they don't, it's not the end of the world. And so I, it sounds to me like Sark has at least a backup plan if Quinn Ewers doesn't, 
you know, pan out. But that is a really interesting aspect that people aren't talking about right now is Arch Manning. You know, Arch Manning obviously has the bloodlines of uh, NFL greatness, not just NFL players, NFL greatness, you know, uh, in his family there. And so, you know, his upside is massive too. And, you know, it's, it's kind of which one do you take? Because if you get Quinn Ewers, you're probably not going to get Arch Manning and you're going to hope at this point that Quinn Ewers does pan out. You know, he didn't get, he didn't play his senior year of high school because he reclassified, you know, remember he was supposed to be in the 2022 signing class. And um, because the state of Texas is one of the few states that does not allow high school athletes to earn NIL money on their name, image, and likeness. And so that caused him to reclassify to the 2021 recruiting class. He signed with Ohio State and then enrolled there um, like in August, I think it was last or this this past August here. So he didn't even play his senior year of high school. So we're talking about a guy right now who played up into his junior season, as you mentioned, um, you know, he the last time you saw him was in a loss um, in the state championship game. But you know, this is a, it's, it's kind of an interesting, you know, approach that Texas kind of has to take right now. And when I heard Mike say that about, you know, uh, Steve Sarkeesian not really being like, oh, it's all in or nothing, you know, or something like that for Quinn Ewers, you know, you can't forget that Texas is, has been in a very solid place in recruiting Arch Manning in the 2023 class. So, um, that that's something definitely to watch, you know, as we move forward here and if, as this uh, whole Quinn Ewers situation unfolds. But, you know, this is why, as you mentioned, Steve Sarkeesian gets paid the big bucks to make these decisions. And uh, he's done a really good job at quarterback recruiting and quarterback development at every place that he has been. So, um, you know, I think we can't really question him. He's he has, His track record has shown that you probably need to give him the benefit of the doubt when it comes to recruiting and developing that position. Yeah, and and Arch Manning um, has been to Austin. He likes it. That's legit. I mean, he's obviously got all kinds of suitors, but he likes Texas, and Texas is, you know, has been a legitimate uh, school of consideration for Arch Manning. So uh, this is, you know, you, you like to say first world problems, right? you're recruiting five-star quarterbacks and if you get one you're you should be ecstatic um and so it's fascinating because up until quinn ewers went into the portal all we heard about was arch manning arch manning arch manning right and now it's quinn ewers quinn ewers quinn ewers and so um you know it's going to be fascinating to watch i know i wake up every morning and go right to horns 24 seven to see what my man, Mike Roach and Nick Harris, uh, have. And then I'm on the phone, you know, and, and it is interesting because, you know, I do think, you know, you, the people I talked to, uh, there was a confidence level from the Texas coaching staff about being able to land Quinn yours. Now, I don't, I don't know how that's changed with these recruiting visits of Quinn Ewers to Texas Tech and TCU, and there were rumblings that AM was trying to throw something at him. So it's um it's definitely new age recruiting and with NIL deals that can be put in front of kids. It's it is free agency. It's it's basically NFL free agency, the equivalent of it for college football. So it's there's a lot more than just, do you like the campus? Did you like the coaches? Did you like the players who hosted you? Did you have fun? It's now also, well, how much money are we talking? Yeah. So. Yeah. And so. I mean, there is a part of it that's like, it should be that way a little bit. I mean, think about the amount of money that the product that these student athletes put on, you know, for the fans and put on the field, how much money that brings into the university. I mean, hundreds of millions of dollars we're talking about. So, you know, and they're Mel obviously Tucker at Michigan state is getting $95 million over 10 years. Yeah. So, I mean, well, it's, you know, the, the players just as much as coaches, obviously coaches work their butt off too. I don't think that, you know, um, especially college coaches, I don't think that the average fan really knows their their hours. I mean, 
there's a reason why a lot of college coaches would jump at the opportunity to take an NFL job, even if they had to take a pay cut, because recruiting is nonstop. It never ends. You you know, once Texas signs their 2022 class, they're not, it's not like, oh, now it's on to 2023. It's no, we got to hammer home 2023. And now we got to start looking more at 2024. I mean, it's a, it's a never ending job, you know? And so, um, you know, that's why college coaches get paid so much money nowadays too, but without the good product or good players, you know, they wouldn't, you know, have probably have the means to do that. So this is, it's an interesting, unique time, no doubt about it. Um, and it's almost like, you know, we're almost watching what happens behind the scenes a little bit when coaches and their agents are working with multiple schools, trying to get, you know, a, a coaching contract or a head coach job or something like that. But the things that we hear behind the scene when those situations have happened, which has been more often than not at Texas in the last uh, several years is now going to the players. And this is, this is something. And now Chip, one thing we have to say, obviously this is not going to be the case for every single recruit moving forward. Quinn Ewers is in a special situation um, there. And I'm not saying that other recruits won't be as, um, you know, have a higher earning potential or as, you know, as high of an earning potential for Quinn Ewers. But when you are the, the highest rated quarterback recruit since Vince Young um, in the modern day recruiting era, you're going to, you're going to come with a hefty price tag. And uh, he's going to, you know, probably if the maybe 5% of college football players um, or recruits that are able to really capitalize in a substantial way. Um, and it may even be less than that 5%. It may be 1%. He may be in the 1% right now of guys that really could, um, get this type of earning. And, you know, as it's been reported previously, he he made over a million dollars at Ohio State and he played, what'd you say, two snaps? Two snaps, two handoffs. Yep. So uh, over a million dollars, $500,000, more than 500000 per handoff. <laughs> That's all you got to know. <laughs> Not bad. And if he plays his cards right, he might be able to, well... I won't, I won't be cynical. All right, Taylor, before we get to love it or leave it, I got to say the big 12 championship game between oh, Baylor and Oklahoma state. I said last week, if Mike Gundy doesn't win the big 12 championship this year, when will he ever win it? And the way that thing played out where Jalen Warren, his stud running back gets hurt and Warren's trying to get back in the game, but the trainers are like, dude, your knee is toast. Um, it, I mean, if, if you're an Oklahoma State fan, you are, you know, T. Boone Pickens right now is up in heaven kicking over <laughs> uh, Pistol Pete because that was the craziest ending for, you know, what? First and goal mm -hmm. uh, from the two, one, yep. couldn't get in and stopped just like the Tennessee Titans against the Rams in the Super Bowl and. 1999, where they come up one yard short, unbelievable, and an unbelievable job by Dave Aranda and Baylor to go from two and seven last year to Big 12 champs. That was something. I have a friend who bet a parlay on the Atlanta Braves winning the World Series. This was way back in September okay. on the Braves winning the World Series and Baylor winning the Big 12 championship. And he won a hundred and five thousand oh, dollars. How much did he put or how much did he have he to pay? Fifteen hundred dollars. Oh my gosh. So uh, just ridiculous. But I'm a um, betting novice, so I don't know what parlay really is. <laughs> I'm gonna be real honest here. I, I don't know what betting stuff is. So what is that? Yeah, I mean it's you go to Vegas and you can get these random, you know, things that you think are gonna happen and then get even bigger odds if you package them together so that both things have to happen for you to, to get paid. I got and, you. and so, I mean, that's just, it's crazy because we all laughed at him saying, Oh really Baylor in September. Yeah. And, and then it happened. So like you may as well set that $1,500 on fire. Or oh my that. gosh. Exactly. <laughs> that's and crazy. Yeah. Yeah. He's got 105,000 105, reasons to laugh at us. Yeah, um, for sure. No, that, that game was nuts, though, Chip. I mean, Spencer Sanders, God bless him. That was <laughs> so bad. I mean, you know, Spencer Sanders, I feel like, has been one of those players where when he's on, he is 
really, really good. When he is off, it's like, just cover your eyes because it's bad. And this was horrible. I mean, what he threw, um, I think a big 12 title game record four interceptions in that game. And uh, just the fact that Oklahoma state still was in it. I mean, you know, there was that fourth, um, what was that fourth down call that Dave Miranda had Baylor go for it that set up uh, and they were up by, I think, you know, double digits at that point. And then that set up um, Baylor or excuse me, Oklahoma State's uh, touchdown to um, make it that six. I think it was, what was the score? I can't remember that. Like there was a lot of things that happened that could have really been a huge determining factor in the outcome of the game one way or the other, that, that fourth down, you know, go for it on fourth down, um, you know, in your own territory, that's, right. That was one that could have really backfired Missed field big goals time. by Baylor. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of things, but man, that that game, it was something to watch there. And a great stand by the Baylor defense in the red zone. I mean, my goodness, like they're, they they stuffed. That, that wasn't just the first time that they had stuffed Oklahoma State in that game when they had, you know, four downs to try to punch it in from inside the 10-yard line, and they didn't do it. You know, that was that was huge, but... Huge for Dave Aranda. I mean, it's unbelievable to see what he did. Just making that offensive coordinator hire change. Really, I mean, him hiring Larry Fedora in the first place was a terrible move. I mean, when that happened, we were kind of like, when was the last time Larry Fedora called an offense? I mean, my goodness. And you're a defensive-minded head coach. You need somebody that knows how to call the offense. He went out and got Jeff Grimes and clearly paid off in a huge way, Chip. I mean, what what a story. I mean, seriously, yeah. what a story. Yeah, and and as for Brent Venables at OU, I'm watching to see if Caleb Williams, the quarterback, stays. I mean, to me, that's going to determine if Brent Venables is reloading or rebuilding because obviously Malachi Nelson, the five-star quarterback from the L.A. area, has decommitted from OU, uh, will follow Lincoln Riley. He's in the 2023 class. He'll follow Lincoln Riley to USC, but Caleb Williams, who as a freshman was, you know, he made some freshman mistakes, obviously, but also made some unbelievable plays and and had OU in that game against Oklahoma State, um, you know, with a chance to get into the Big 12 title game. And and so if Caleb Williams stays at OU, Brent Venables. Uh, has a significantly better first year than uh, than if Caleb Williams decides to leave. So, yeah, um, one of Caleb Williams' plays that was crucial ended up leading to them not losing to Kansas. <laughs> to right? remember that right. when he ripped he the ball out of Kansas' hands. Yeah, a play that I don't think either one of us thought was a uh, even allowed <laughs> when that happened. I was like, is this? What? <laughs> yeah, the official said because it happened behind the line, it it was considered a handoff. Right. And it was legal, but yeah, it was like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Did that really just happen? Right. Another player just ripped the ball out of another player's hands and ran forward for the first down. Um, yeah. OU was up five at that point, midfield going for it on fourth down. Uh, if Kansas stops them there. They had like three minutes left to to drive and, and take the lead, but Caleb Williams got it done. All right, Taylor, uh, we ready for some love it or leave it? Yes, sir. Before we get to love it or leave it, we're going to take a quick break, but stick around because uh, more football talk, including talk about Quinn Ewers, will continue in love it or leave it. So stay tuned. We will be right back. As we mentioned earlier in the show, we are currently running a 50% off annual membership special. This is valid for new members and for current monthly members who upgrade to annual. I definitely take advantage of this deal. It's going to be running for a few days here, but it will be ending soon. But uh, there's going to be so much more developments coming even after the early signing period window uh, closes. Uh, early signing day starts next Wednesday, so a week from Wednesday. So uh, you definitely want to keep up on all of the latest recruiting scoop and with Texas basketball uh, season really ramping up here. It's a great time to be over at Horns 24-7. So with that said, Chip, you ready for some love it or leave it? Let's go. 
All righty. My first one for you is love it or leave it. You would rather have Quinn Ewers over Arch Manning. You know, I just, uh, I'm going to leave this because the whole, you know, reclassification um, just kind of sent, like, gave me the heebie-jeebies. Um, and, you know, obviously South Lake Carroll, his high school team, and look, if it's game-changing money, if it's life-changing money, go for it. Um, but if you're betting on yourself, then, you know, enjoy yourself. If I mean, South Lake Carroll just beat Allen. They're in the state semifinals. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I Maybe I'm old school, but I know Quinn Ewers' dad is real involved with everything that Quinn Ewers does, and those dads make me nervous. You know, I, the thing about the Arch Manning, and look, there's no guarantee Texas gets Arch Manning, but if they improve their offensive line and Arch Manning isn't, you know, a tackling dummy, um, <laughs> then, you know, he comes from a family that's always going to be under the radar, not over the radar, but yet a great family. Uh, obviously the, the quarterback lineage in the Manning family is second to none. So it's, you know, I, it just feels like a little, I don't know. I, I would probably, you know, again, no guarantees, but I would rather have Arch Manning. Okay. I think you can bring in a portal quarterback to help compete with Casey Thompson and, and, um, Hudson card and serve as a bridge to Arch Manning. Now there's nothing guaranteed. So I guess it's bird in the hand versus the two in the bush. But, um, Taylor, what do you think? This is tough because, I mean, I, I understand where you're coming from when it comes to the, um, you know, the, the family side of it, you know, the, and, and Arch Manning has, if you, if you listen and uh, over at the state of recruiting podcast on um, our YouTube channel or on our horns 24 seven podcast network, you know, the guys have talked about this before with Arch Manning. He's not really the look at me type of guy. He's not, you know, um, he doesn't, necessarily want to be the the shining star this that everybody the savior, you know is, right yeah he yeah he, he, and he yeah he, he just is not the guy that's going to be like i want my face on everything or i want you know like he's just more of a um i i don't know what the word because i don't want it to come off like a negative or anything on when you were yeah he's low-key very very much so just a you know kind of low-key guy um go with you know whatever type of situation so um, it's a little bit different with that, but I mean, you can't go wrong with either. I think that if you, with Arch Manning, you know, let's say Texas doesn't have a great season next year. What, what's the headlines going to be about Steve Sarkeesian's future? They're going to be probably pretty negative, right. Or questioning at least. And that, that would hurt potentially Arch Manning going to Texas. So I feel like you have to go with Quinn Ewers at this point, if you are, in the position to, um, because Texas, Steve Sarkeesian really needs to win soon. I mean, he has that, you know, the Longhorns are going to be at the sofa bowl this year, watching it all from home, you know? And so, um, having to go through that, I think that you have to ha get Quinn Ewers if you can. And, you know, um, if you can't, you better hope that you find somebody in the portal and win next year so that you still have a legitimate shot at Arch Manning. So this is, I'm like, I'm so torn on this. Cause I think you can't go wrong with either one of them. Um, but I think with the situation that Texas is currently in with needing to um, really turn things around, especially um, with Steve Sarkeesian coming in as the quarterback guru, the, you know, one of the best offensive play callers in football. Um, there's a lot of hype for him and for this offense. And if, you know, he doesn't feel that he has the quarterback on this roster, which I think it's, you know, the fact that they're going after a Quinn Ewers may seem that way, whether it's right or wrong. I think you almost would have to rather have Quinn Ewers and just hope it works out next year rather than hoping you land another quarter, you know, transfer portal quarterback, or you hope the development of Casey Thompson or Hudson Card really ramps up. And I think there's just too many ifs and hopes in that situation 
to, um, you know, for, for the position that Texas is in right now, I think that there's too many uh, question marks with that moving forward. So yeah, I'm going to have to love it, I think. And I would say, I wouldn't rather have, I think that you have to pick Quinn Ewers if he's available right now. And um, if he's not, you hope that you find the transfer portal guy or, or that Casey Thompson or Hudson Card develops, and then they can sell it to Arch Manning next year. But I don't think that Steve Sarkeesian can really afford to not um, go all hands on, on deck with this one personally. All right. Love it or leave it number two. All right. My second one is love it or leave it. Unless Texas fortifies the offensive line, it won't matter if Quinn Ewers, Arch Manning, or Tom Brady is the Longhorns' next quarterback. Yeah, I mean, this is legit. And, you know, the, I, I, I'm sure Hudson Card and Casey Thompson are like, hey, you know, if we get this offensive line fixed, everything will be a lot better. But right. uh, there's no doubt. I mean, right now, and we've written about this, I wrote about it in the Insider last week with, you know, with Rafiti Germay, I've reported, you know, Germay's in the portal. Um, Tyler Johnson, you know, wasn't even with the team the last month. Um, and he's not in the future. Now Isaiah Hookfin uh, has been in a horrible motorcycle accident, um, lacerated his spleen and, you know, broken ribs, the works. And if they don't bring in a bunch of... <laughs> offensive linemen in January, they would have only 11 scholarship offensive linemen for spring ball. Now, Steve Sarkeesian runs the first team offense on one end of the practice field, and the second team offense on the other end of the practice field, and that would leave you one substitute. Um, it just, it's amazing how, how the numbers got out of whack uh, on the offensive line recruiting and it, they, they haven't the, the hits. I mean, they only brought in Hayden Connor and Max Merrill last year and Hayden Connor looks like a guy that the coaches feel can develop. He's, you know, teammates say he's got the nasty. He's certainly big enough. Um, but they've got to get guys like Andre Carrick, Hayden Connor, Isaiah Hookfin developed, uh, because you're losing Tope Amade and Denzel Okafor and Derek Kerstetter. And you've got to have um, some developed offensive linemen. You can't put it all on recruits. So they are going to have to hit the portal. They're going to have to nail it in the portal. Uh, I'm going to love this, Taylor. How about you? Yeah, um, I'm absolutely going to love it because I think that just watching, and, and obviously it's a different position, but um, look at Bijan Robinson really made that offensive line a lot of times look better than it was. Um, but even he couldn't like there were games where he was shut down some. And, uh, you know, that's one of the most elite running backs in college football, uh, if not one of the most elite players in college football. And if he's able to be shut down, then imagine what the quarterback, <laughs> if you're, you know, like it, you, there's only so much they can do. I mean, um, you know, Steve Sarkeesian is not going to, he's not the type that's going to have a, uh, running quarterback. He doesn't like that. He's very open about that, that he says it opens them up for way too much risk. And that's the most important position in all of sports. He said before, and, uh, you know, running your quarterback, they already get hit enough or have a threat of getting hit enough that only, you know, intensifies the potential of them getting injured. And, you know, as we're talking about this, you, there's, only a handful of quarterbacks that are going to be on the roster, you know? So um, yeah, I think that you uh, absolutely are going to have to find offensive linemen first and foremost. That's the most important thing. Cause I mean, let's, let's be honest, Chip, Casey Thompson, he played very well in games this season. And I know he was, you know, he played through a thumb injury and obviously that impacted some of his performances, but he he's shown up in games and shown up big in games too. And so if, you know, like they they have options there regardless. So I think that the first, the prior, the priority needs to be on offensive line first, obviously adding a quarterback um, from the transfer portal or whatever is a, a, you know, big priority for Steve Sarkeesian, but number one should be offensive alignment only signing two in 2021. Yeah, that was bad, but this has been going back longer than then. So this is a, um, 
without a doubt, priority number one, in my opinion. And if I'm Texas, I'm adding as many as possible, even if I have to not add some you know, skill players or something that you might want to, you know, also add to the roster offensive line has to be number one. So yeah, I'm going to, um, agree and I'm going to have to love it and say, doesn't matter who you have at quarterback. You got to get that offensive line, right? Yeah. All right. Love it or leave it. Number three. All right. Number three is that. Yeah. All right. My final one for you is love it or leave it. The Texas sports calendar on Thursday requires two televisions, one for men's basketball, which uh, tips off at 530 on Fox Sports 1, and one for women's volleyball that uh, takes on uh, or is at 630, excuse me, on Longhorn Network. Yeah, I'm going to love this. I mean, uh, I'm really fascinated by this Texas Seton Hall game. It's on the road. It's a true road game. Texas has played obviously at Gonzaga, the number one team. Well, not anymore. Now Purdue's the number one team. But at the time, Gonzaga was the number one team. And and so, you know, those true road games are, are a real challenge. And Seton Hall is a real challenge. They went to Michigan and won when Michigan was number four. Uh, and they've got a lot of size and they've got a lot of experience. They got a 12-year coach. So this is a this is a good challenge for this Texas basketball team, which is still trying to figure things out. They don't have Dylan DeZue back yet. The the Vanderbilt, uh, you know, big man who led the SEC in rebounding still, you know, coming back from offseason knee surgery. I think he his arrival will certainly help uh, fortify Texas down low, especially on the defensive end. Um, but, you know, they turned over Rio Grande Valley uh, 22 times, and that, that was huge because Rio Grande Valley had gone to Illinois and played them tough. And Texas blew them out because defensively they were suffocating. And that's that's how uh, Chris Beard is going to overcome any lack of size by just putting so much pressure on the perimeter. So, And then Texas volleyball, what can you say? I mean, you'd start to take for granted that they're going to go to the Final Four. That's unbelievable. That's a credit to Jarrett Elliott. Um, and this volleyball team has so much offensive firepower. Now they do make errors. They have, for my liking, too many service errors and and sometimes you get some attack errors and even some setting errors from, you know, at times you're like, huh, that, that shouldn't have been like that, but they have so much offensive firepower that they overcome it. And now the round is 16, the elite eight, the final four, that's where we're going to find out if Texas can just overpower this field. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to love this. How about you? Yeah, I'm going to love it. I mean, I feel like, after, especially after this football season, you know, if you're a Texas fan, I think a lot of the people that tune into um, the flagship and our other network of podcasts, it's mainly, you know, predominantly for the football conversation. But, you know, the fact that Texas has other, you know, um, athletic programs, especially men's basketball, too, that are playing well, you know, I mean, if you're a Texas football fan, it might help you to start watching some teams that are doing well. And uh, men's basketball, obviously, there's a lot of hype for uh, year one of Chris Beard. Um, and they've, you know, they've played some uh, solid games already thus far. And then with Texas women's volleyball, I mean, Jarrett Elliott always has these, these ladies, you know, ready to go. And um, in the postseason, it seems like every single year, even when I was in college, I swear this has been just so consistent. So, uh, yeah, I think that if you're a Texas fan in general, watching the teams that are, you know, performing up to par or, you know, exceeding expectations, you should enjoy those because uh, you didn't get that this football season. So uh, maybe it'll take some of the the anger or um, emotion away from what has happened the last, you know, since September 1st um, and see that there's other programs that are succeeding. So yeah, I'm going to love it too. All right. And I've got one love it or leave it for you. Okay. Uh, in honor of our man, uh, Kenneth Sims, the former Texas defensive lineman um, who went number one overall in the NFL draft in the 1982 NFL draft to the new England Patriots uh, and who is being inducted into the college football hall of fame. Uh, like tonight, as we record on Tuesday in Las Vegas, uh, we call him Big Slimmy. Uh, but Kenneth Sims has, you've met him, and 
he has the biggest hands you've ever seen on a human being. Love it or leave it. Uh, love it. Now, I feel like we need to explain how I would know to love this question <laughs> just uh, before, you know, people go like, what? what's that about? So a number of years ago, it's funny you bring this up, Chip. A um, number of years ago, I was at Cover 3 here in Austin with Chip Brown and the late Sean Adams. And uh, we were just hanging out at the bar there. And Kenneth Sims came up. And, you know, he comes up and starts talking to Chip and Sean. At that time, I had never met him or anything like that. And he kept talking and he was very expressive when he was talking. And I kept just staring at his hands because I was like, oh, my gosh, like these are absurdly large hands. And I have very, very small hands. Like my my ring finger is uh, a four and a half, which is I know it sounds crazy, but like it, that's legitimate. I have very, very tiny hands. Sean Adams used to call me little boy hands, not little girl hands, because he said my, my nails were never manicured. So uh, he called me little boy hands. And I just said something I was like, I think Kenneth went to the bathroom or so I can't remember exactly how it played out. But I said something when he was away from the table, like, Oh, my gosh, have you seen how big his hands are? So he comes back and Sean goes, Hey, little boy hands, let's compare your hands to Kenneth. So I put my hand up and Chip, you saw it. I think there may I may have a picture somewhere. If I searched hard enough, these things were about three times the size of my hand, if like if not more. I mean, like my fingers, your fingers did, didn't even hit where his <laughs> fingers begin. Yeah, like imagine like this is his palm. My fingers probably came like I don't know if you can see. Like I'm kind of there. They probably came like maybe here on his palm. <laughs> and I was just like, so he could have like held my and my hand could have been fully flexed, and he could have crushed over my hand, and I could have kept it flexed probably because yeah, that's Kenneth, how large they are. <laughs> Kenneth, who's a just the most humble, you know, superstar you've ever met used to work at a gas station and he could carry car batteries with one hand. <laughs> so next time you pick up a car battery, he could palm a car battery. Making me choke over here. <laughs> and carry it across the lot. So uh, congratulations, big Slimmy on the College Football Hall of Fame. And uh, and thanks. We gotta everybody. get him on this. He's he always when he I was know, on y'all's radio show all the time. He was really good. We gotta get him on here. Yeah, it's time. It's yeah. time. In fact, <laughs> um, you know, stay tuned because yeah, <laughs> the flagship podcast interviews come out on Mondays, and uh, we always try to bring you the the best of the best. And and thanks to everybody for listening to this episode of the flagship podcast. Um, until next time. For Taylor Estes, I am Chip Brown. We'll see you over at Horns 24-7. Take advantage of that 50% off deal and a chance for monthly subscribers to upgrade to annual. That's a rare uh, special that you got to take advantage of so you get all the VIP content on all the, the team sites on the preeminent 24-7 sports network. So uh, until next time. For Taylor Estes, I'm Chip Brown. Stay safe and keep the faith.